Amen. Okay, grab your Bibles, if you will, this morning. Grab your Bibles, your phones, your iPads, whatever you're reading the scriptures on here today. Uh, And we're going to go into the book of Matthew. The book of Matthew. We're in a series called Game Changers. We started in Matthew chapter 5. It's about the Sermon on the Mount and had a whole bunch of introductory things I was going to say about that. But just go back and listen to the, the, uh, the teaching from a couple of weeks ago. Chapter 6 last week, Chris, Pastor Chris delved into a little bit. He kind of started us down the path. And let me remind you, let me remind you, we are not, um, cop, we're not hitting every single point, every single scripture in all of these, in all of this teaching. So I highly, highly encourage you, take your Bibles and read for yourself and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you, okay? We're kind of priming the pump. I'm telling you, the more time that I've spent, I've spent more time over the last couple of months in the Sermon on the Mount than I have in years, and it's amazing. It's really amazing um, just what Jesus was doing there in teaching and discipling his people. So, so we're going to jump right in here. So turn to chapter 7, chapter 7. All right, if we were reading chapters 5, 6, and 7, we would find out that there had been a progression that had been taking place. There there have been about the actions that we live, the identity of who we are. And today then, in chapter 7, Jesus is kind of transitioning to talk about the motives of our heart. One writer said that he's talking, he talks about the, the, um, he talks about the the blessings, first of all, then he talks about uh, the beauty, and, and now he talks, or the benefits, and now he talks about the beauty of living a life that's kingdom based, that's in Jesus Christ. And so, I want to jump into this chapter because I know that we're right here at Thanksgiving season and, and we're going to be having a lot of interaction with people. You're going to, how many people are going to be getting together with family this week, uh, this week during the holidays, okay? All right. <clears throat> I won't even ask how many people are really excited about it. I can see the hands going up like this. Yeah, we're going to, oh God, please, right? No, this is going to be a great time. I hope you have a very, very blessed Thanksgiving I'm looking to all looking forward to the food and all the good stuff, but can I tell you? I think God really. We need to look at this opportunity that we have of being with family as a divine appointment. Now, starting next week, we're going to do a three-week series, okay, a very short series on fix my family. Uh, we had originally <laughs> we had originally titled it my crazy family, but uh, we just uh, thought maybe we'd try and be a little bit nicer and say fix my family. By the way, how many people have any crazy people in their family? Anybody have any crazy people? Okay, I just want to be sure I wasn't the only one there. Right? So, but I believe that God, I believe that God is setting us up for some divine appointments and some giving us the opportunity to influence some people's lives through the holiday season. Don't miss the next three weeks. We're going to talk to, we're going to be telling you about how to, how to make this the best holiday, holiday season ever with your family. Okay, <clears throat> so are you there in chapter seven? All right. Um, it's going to be, a, we're, we're seeing here again, Jesus is sitting on the side of the mountain. He's got his disciples and multitudes of people who have been healed, touched by his ministry. And now he's teaching them, he's discipling them, he's instructing them on how to live. Okay, not how to get saved, not how to get into the kingdom, but how to live as a follower of Jesus Christ, how to live the kingdom life. And here in chapter 7, He kind of sums it all up in verse 12, chapter 7, verse 12, when he says this. He says, therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. How many people know what we call this, what this is called? Has anybody ever heard 
what's it called? Go ahead, it's uh, the golden rule, right? Whatever you want people to do to you, you do to them. Well, this golden rule is not just some proverb, some, it's, it's from the scriptures. And so Jesus says, therefore, whatever you want men to do. Well, that therefore is telling us that all the things he said in, before this help us to live this kind of a life so that we can be a blessing to others and receive blessing from them. So let's jump back here. And we're going to take it verse by verse today as we go through a couple of scriptures. You there? How many people are in Judges chapter 7? All right, beginning with verse 1. Verse 1. Oh, I'm sorry, not Judges chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. <coughs> Matthew chapter 7. But it talks about judging, right? So, all right, good, good recovery. Matthew chapter 7 verse 1. Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you use, it will be measured back to you. I, I don't know about you, but I've read that scripture for years. I've heard people talk about it. I've said something to somebody at times. They go, oh, you're not supposed to judge. You're not supposed to judge. How many people have ever read that scripture and go, oh, you're not supposed to say anything bad to somebody else, right? Because they'll think you're judging. We, we live in a world today that is so wrapped up with this, everybody's judging me, somebody's judging me, somebody's saying something about me. And, and can, I, can I tell you that, that Jesus is talking about judging, but he's going deeper than just the words that we say. We, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Then in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is changing the game. Remember, he said, you've heard it said, oh, you shouldn't commit adultery, but I'm saying don't even lust. Jesus said, you, you've heard that you said you, should, you know, should, should love your neighbors and hate your enemies, but, but I'm telling you, love your enemies and pray for people. Jesus is raising the bar, and he's doing the very same thing here in Judges chapter 7. He's, he's telling us, he's, he's not just talking about things that we say to people, he's talking about what's going on in our heart, and what he's really talking about here is not condemning people. Ooh, not condemning people. Does anybody recognize that we live in a world where there is an epidemic of condemnation that's going on? Listen, the scripture, in the scripture here, this word judgment in, in uh, chapters, chapter 7, verses 1 and 2, it comes from the Greek word that's krino. And, and this word means this. It means to decide mentally or judicially to make a decision. It goes on, it means to try someone as to try them in a court. But, but what we're doing is we're trying them in our own minds, in our own hearts. We're, we're looking at people, we're making a judgment about them, and then we're trying them, and then it says to punish them, to avenge them. Then we're seeking to punish them. Well, you're thinking, well, wait a minute. I'm not punishing them. I don't have any way to, to hurt them. Oh, really? How many people already in your mind, you've said, I'm going to go to this, uh, this family gathering and crazy uncle so-and-so is going to be there and I'm going to keep my distance from him. Or I just want to be sure that I don't get caught by aunt so-and-so because if you do, you'll never get away from her. No, you don't have any of that going on, Right. Uh, absolutely we do. And so it's just that we, we punish people, we avenge cheap people, we make a conclusion about people, we condemn them, we damn them, we decree something about them. We make a determination about them, we judge them. We call in question 
who they really are. I wonder. We, we, we start to question their motives, not just their actions. We separate. We sentence. We think. Well, how many times have we thought, oh, I think they're a little bit off their rocker. I think they are a little bit this. Or, or we see them do something and all of a sudden, we're making a value judgment about who they are because what they do. You know, I'm just telling you that, that this is a world that we live in, that God's saying, as his sons and daughters in the kingdom, we've been placed here to make a difference. Amen? Later in my notes here, I've got it written down. Look, we don't live our lives to make a point. We live our lives to make a difference. Should have got a bigger amen there, right? Okay, I mean this. We live in a world that wants to make a point. Somebody says something, we get on Facebook and we make our point and we, we shoot out our statement and we're so bold behind the keyboard. But you know, it's easy to make a point. It's work to make a difference. And God's appointed us to be here to people as people who make a difference. I read a quote, says this, it says, if we would really help those close to us and dear to us, if we would really learn to live together with our family and our neighbors and the power of the kingdom, we must abandon the deeply rooted human practice of condemning and blaming. This is what Jesus means when he says, judge not. This is what he means. So the question becomes, what's our real purpose What's, what's our real intention in our interaction with people? Is it to get something from them? Is, is it to, 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 to that, for them to acknowledge us? Is it about us? Is the focus on us? Or is our intention to be able to pour the grace and the mercy and the kindness and the love of God into them? Let's read on. Verse 3. And why... Do you look at the speck in your brother's eye and do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look and a plank is in your own eye? Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye and then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Years ago, I did a message called toothpicks and telephone poles. You know, we think everybody else has got a, you know, a toothpick in, you know, we, in their eye, but we, here we are, we're walking around with a telephone pole in ours. I think maybe we've come to the place in life, hopefully some of us have, where we, when we, we recognize that when we see something in somebody else's eye, maybe it's a reflection of what's in ours. You think? Maybe. So, then we see here, Jesus is saying that it's, it, that we never see someone else, something in someone else's eye, okay? We never see something in, in someone else's eye without it then being a reminder for us to be conscious about, to, about being conscious about what's in our own eye. L let's read this. Let's think about this just a little bit differently today. What's our, what's our real concern when we see something in somebody's eye or somebody, something in somebody's life? That's, that's what we're talking about here, Right? Well, what's, our, what's our motive for straightening them out? <laughs> Is it to, to, to get them to get out of our way, get off our back? Or are we genuinely, are we genuinely concerned about helping this person? Is, is that what our motive is? What's the motive of our heart? You know, I, I think it's interesting <laughs> that Jesus tells us, listen to what he says. He says, 
How can you judge somebody else? How can you condemn somebody else? How can you point out stuff in somebody else's eye, somebody else's life, when you've got this big thing in your own life? He, so so here's, what he, here's Jesus' advice to his people. Now remember, we're talking about early, early centuries. You know, we're talking about the, the very, very ancient times. He's sitting there telling a bunch of people sitting on a hillside, look, you need eye surgery. You've got a speck. You've got a, something in your own eye. So go perform eye surgery on yourself. And when you come back, then you can help somebody else. Do you really think that's what he was saying? How many point people would want to do eye surgery on yourself? How many people need help getting splinters out of your own hair, right? Man, can you imagine that, that performing eye surgery on yourself? I heard somebody say one time that would be like a, a surgeon performing heart su- surgery on themselves while they're having a heart attack. It, it's just impossible. It's ridiculous. You know what Jesus is doing here? He's pointing out one more time just our inability to help ourselves or to fix ourselves or how presumptuous would we be to think, <coughs> excuse me, to think that we could help somebody else in our own strength and our own ability. How many times do we look and we see other people's faults, other people's weaknesses, other people's limitations, and we've got all the answers for them, but we can't live it ourselves. You know what that sounds to me like? It sounds like the the religious people of Jesus' day who would would put laws and burdens of law and burdens of works on people. And Jesus says, hey, I'm not coming. I'm not coming to burden you. I'm coming to set you free. See, the only person who can really come in and perform perfect surgery in our life is Jesus. Amen? He's the one that can remove the speck from our eye. And then he's the one that we can help lead these people to so that they can get their vision healed as well. Does that make, does that make sense today? You know, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> I think we're kind of like... Has anybody seen that, uh, that, that's, that, um, that commercial on television where the, the guy's in the dentist chair and he's got one of those things in his mouth, he's going, right? And the guy's looking in, he's got his dentist coat on and he's, man, he's like, that is the worst cavity I have ever seen. And the person sitting beside him goes, oh, that is terrible. That's a horrible cavity. That's a terrible cavity. And then he kind of stands up and he starts to walk away. And the guy in the chair goes, well, aren't you going to fix it? He goes, oh, I'm not a dentist, I'm just a dental monitor. Can I tell you that Jesus never calls us to be monitors? He calls us to be ministers. He calls us to be people who, that when we see problems in ourselves or in others, but you know what we do? We help take them, we help lead them, we help guide them, we help bring them to the person who can really solve their problem, and that's Jesus. Amen? Hey, just for the fun of it, would you all do me a favor? Let's give Jesus a hand this morning. Amen. Come on. So our response is different. We're not just monitors. Our response is to live in such a way that I can truly be a help to that person for their benefit by God's power and for his glory. Amen? Let me ask you. How do you think if we took this attitude, how do you think that might help our, interac- our interactions during this holiday season? How, how would it help when we, when we go to our family gatherings, when we, when we come around, and, and unfortunately, and this isn't the way it should be, but 
But sometimes we get together when those family gatherings and it's not all just roses and wonderful things. There's lots to be thankful for, but, but sometimes there's been some pain that's been involved. And sometimes there's been somebody that's hurt us or said something to us or, or done something that they shouldn't have done. How would it help us if instead of looking at that person and judging them and prejudging them and, and seeing all of the faults and all of the specks in their eyes, that we thought about it, that Jesus is taking me there to inter, have an interaction with them so I can help point them a little bit more to Jesus. Do you think that would change the way that we focused on things? Instead of seeing them as enemies, instead of seeing them as threats, instead of seeing them as challengers, as challenges, do you think it would change the way we interacted with them? Maybe it would change the way that we interacted with our families if we, if we thought about this. And, and parents, if you're a parent here, let me, let, me, let me give you a big challenge. We're not going to get into this in a big way today, but let me challenge you about the way that you look at your children. Let, let, let me challenge the mindset that you have when, when, you, when you look at the actions that they do and why are they so rebellious? And why are they so hard-headed and thick-headed? And why are they so... And, and, and all that we see, all of a sudden, we've made all of these judgments. But have we really... Have we really come to the place where, God, we need your understanding about what's going on in their hearts, what's going on in their lives? How about even in our marriages? Do you think if, if we were concerned for somebody else being blessed and somebody else being taken care of and somebody else's needs being met. I'm telling you, that would change our marriages everywhere, including the bedroom. So the goal is not to get from others, okay? The goal is to get what we need from God and then be able to go and to give it to others. Amen? Did everybody get that? The goal is not just to get, see what I can get from people. The goal is to get what we need from God, to get the healing, to get the, the, the clear perspective, to get the life, to get the freedom, and then go and give it to others. Then we come here to another verse, verse 6, it says this. It says, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before the swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. How many people have ever been confused by that verse? Anybody? How many people have ever read that verse? Oh, okay. So, we, <laughs> yeah, we, some people, you know, so I, I can remember kind of being taught, well, well, be careful about where you do your good works, because if you do your good works, you know, some people aren't going to appreciate it, and that's just casting holy things in front of bad people, and, and, and you got to be careful about being taken advantage of, and, and you got you to, you know, not cast your pearls before swine, and do you really think that's what Jesus is saying Jesus is saying, hey, if you recognize that there's some people that are really lost, they're really out of it, they really don't have any hope, they really don't understand the way things function, those are the people you need to avoid. I have a hard time believing that that's what Jesus is saying. If so, we'd all be up a creek. You know what I'm talking about? We'd be in trouble. <laughs> Maybe what Jesus is saying is if you're gonna go out to feed the dogs, why don't you give them something that they can eat? If you're gonna go out and be around a bunch of pigs, then don't just throw pearls out there. They might crush up the pearls and can't eat those and realize that you're not bringing them anything good. And if they get hungry enough, then they're gonna bite you. A little different perspective maybe, okay? So, so what's he saying here? Jesus is saying, hey, don't see people as problems, see them as opportunities. And when you see them as opportunities, then don't go to try to tell them what's wrong. Why don't you go to help them? Why don't you go to feed them? 
If you're going out to, if you're going out to feed pigs, how about bringing something they can eat? How about bringing something that'll bring some nourishment to them? And, and so then, then we kind of get into this quandary, don't we? Well, 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 how do I do this? How do I interact with people that think differently than I think? They look differently than I look. They act differently than I act. And I think that Jesus gives us the key for this in the, next, in the very next scripture. We've all read this. Verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be opened. Or what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? For years, I've looked at this section of Scripture as a section of Scripture about prayer. But let's just ask a question for a minute. Suppose it's not a teaching about prayer. Suppose it's a teaching about conversation and communication. Suppose then, what Jesus is saying, hey listen, if you got some people that, that you would make a judgment about them that they're just dogs and swine, that if you're gonna really reach out to them, if they're, if they're so bad, so far from you, and, but you've got the answer to help them, why don't you just go and ask them what they need? Instead of presuming that you know, why don't you ask? You know, you know this whole issue of, of making a request, and I, and I think this is where sometimes we get, I don't, we just get a little twisted up in even our ability to pray. We think we've got to make this list and, and then we've got to go through these motions and we've got to do all these spiritual aerobics and then we come to the place where now I can present my petitions, my asking to you. To me, not that I don't do that, I, I, I do at times get in that, but can I tell you this, that maybe God's wanting the asking to come out of a more intimate place, a more intimate relationship. Yesterday, Yvette and I um, were, I'd finished up studying and just, we had some things to do and then we got to the afternoon and Yvette had been uh, running some errands, which means in, in man talk, running errands equals spending money. So she had, she had been running errands and running up the credit card and running up, but anyhow, we won't go there. I love you, baby. So, uh, but she had been <laughs> out running errands. She came home and, and so we we're just talking about what's going on, what are we going to do for the rest of the day? And then, hey, what do you want to do? There's, there's an ask. There's a request. And, the, and that request, that, you know what it did? It didn't, oh, let me stand over here and see if I can process it. And hmm, let me think about it. Do you deserve this? And no, you know what it did? It brought us together. And so, well, do you want to go eat? Always. Well, do you want to go, you know, do you want, do you want to go watch a movie? Do you want to go? And so we, you know, we, in our discussion, in our asking back and forth, it brought us together. It brought us to a decisive place where we decided to do both, which is <laughs> always a good choice. It's always good, right? So we went and ate popcorn and stopped and got something on the way home. So, all right. But the asking, the requesting brought us together. I think in our world and where we live, if we'd spend a little more time asking people what's on their hearts, why do you feel that way? Why do you think that way? Why do you see it that way? 
Instead of pointing fingers and saying, what's wrong with those young people? Do you see how they dress and how they act and what they think? And you see those old people, you know what they do. And why don't we spend some time? And maybe that's the key. Maybe we're just too late, too busy, excuse me, <clears throat> too busy to be willing to take the time. And, and, or, because the last thing in the world I want to believe is that we have a religious spirit that thinks that we're so good and so strong and so right and so correct that I can just pontificate answers and people should just grab them and go with them. Certainly we wouldn't think that, right? No. Why don't, why don't, we, why don't we ask, what do you really need? We genuinely may be giving people stuff that they just can't receive, they can't eat. We, we, we may be feeding, we may be trying to force the milk of the word to somebody into somebody's life, who, life who's lactose intolerant, you know? And, and let me say this, this isn't in my notes, but let me go here just for a second. If you've ever, if you've ever been the victim, and can I say well-meaning, some well-meaning person who's ever treated you with judgment and condemnation and has tried to force legalistic religiosity upon you, I'm sorry. Because like the pearls in a swine's mouth, that probably left a bad taste. It probably left a taste that said, man, if that's what Jesus is about, I'm not sure I want it. If, if that's what kingdom life is like, then maybe I'll settle for a different kingdom. If, if you've ever been hurt by trying to be pressed into a box and, 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 and pushed into some checklist type of religion that says, oh, just check the boxes, do the religious things, and then you'll be okay. I'm sorry, that's not what the kingdom of God is about. The kingdom of God is a, is a kingdom that's filled with life and it's filled with love and it's filled with grace and it's filled with mercy and it's filled with people who love you and care enough about you that when they see a speck in your eye or a problem in your life, that they don't judge it, they don't talk about it, they don't condemn you because of it. They draw close to you Amen. and they ask, what's going on, man? Are, are you okay? It, it, what can I do? What can I do to help? What can I, how, how can I come alongside and, and, and add something, add real genuine value into your life? What if we had enough of the love of Jesus in us to put down the judgments and the condemnations and to have a conversation? Ask what they needed Seek what's going on in their hearts and knock, knock, desire to be engaged in their life. Look, we knock on doors, not people. <laughs> Amen? We knock on doors for them to open this. Has anybody ever seen that picture of Jesus, you know, the revelation, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And anybody ever seen that picture, you know, what I'm talking about Jesus. And of course, everybody always points out that there's no door handle on the outside. The door handle is only in the inside. We want Jesus to treat us that way. Jesus wants us to treat everybody that way.
Why would we ever think that we could kick the door in and force upon something people, force something upon people that, that maybe, maybe they haven't developed a taste for yet? Folks, I wish I could convey how very, very important this is. Let, let, let's read on some scripture. Ready? So we just covered the asking that shall be given, knock and you shall receive, right there in verse um, 12. We come back to it there, right? How, how about this? Let's, let's start at verse 9. What man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a serpent? You know, I don't think that it's we're always handing people serpents, but sometimes if somebody hands you something and they don't want to know what it is, it might scare them. Right? I'm, I'm embarrassed to say it, but there's, there's uh, times out on our... <laughs> some of you know that, that I'm, I'm not a snake person. I'm a... So to say these, I, I believe that the only good snake is a, is a dead snake, you know, and I know some of you may be snake lovers, and there's a good church for you somewhere. But, uh, <clears throat> but um, you know, but um, like the, the other night, I walked out in the dark to take our, our dog um, go, to go out, and, and so um, our dog has a tendency to run now, and so we put the dog on a chain when, they, when he goes out at night, and, um, <laughs> and that chain somehow or another has this cord I hooked his collar on and he took off. And when he took off, I felt this thing rub along my leg. And I would like to, you to believe that I just, oh, praise the Lord, everything's wonderful. But I screamed and yelled like a scared woman. I'm telling you. <laughs> you know, I'm, I was like, then I'm looking around to see who saw that. And anybody say, Lord, were you, did you blink? Did you see that? Things we don't know sometimes scare us. Look, it's okay. It's okay to be patient and to say, hey, what's going on in your life? That's how God treats us. As a matter of fact, that's why he tells us. He says, listen, realize that you've got some stuff in your life that you need to get out of your life so you can be more helpful to others. In conclusion today, let me, let me just ask some questions. Let me, let, let me read one more section of scripture, all right? Over here in verse... Uh, uh, 24. <clears throat> therefore, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock, and the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it did not fall because it was built on the rock. Now, I know the rest of the story, but let me stop here and just say this. Jesus wants your life and your house to be a house that doesn't fall. He wants your life to be a, a life that's built strongly and securely and in, in health, in a healthy way upon him. I believe we, need, we live in a world today where we need houses that will not fall. We need marriages that do not fail. We need families that genuinely are lighthouses that shine the way for others to get to Jesus. We need people who are walking in the strength and in the love of God today. Can I tell you that God's plan to manifest the kingdom of heaven on earth is you. God's plan of love, of life, of redemption, 
of eternity. Listen, the, the hope of the world by God's decree has been delegated to you. You. You and I get the privilege, the honor of being people who are destined to impact other people's lives. Let me just read what I wrote here. Now is no time for limited, lifeless, lawless existence. It's time to step more now. It's time to step more fully than ever into the powerful, love-filled, life-giving world of the kingdom of God. So God, our prayer is, our desire is, your kingdom come, your will be done in our lives and through our lives for his glory. Amen? Amen. Let's ask a couple questions as we close. Ready? I don't know. Ethan, you want to come up? <clears throat> Let's just close our eyes for a second. And just between you and the Lord, just ask right now, God, is there anything of a spirit of judgment or criticism or condemnation? Any hint of religion Instead of a living relationship with you that's in my life. God, any blind spot, any speck in my eye, I wish I could handle it myself, Lord, but I can't. So I'm coming to you, God, right now, and ask for you to perform surgery, spiritual surgery, life-changing surgery on my life. God, remove all pride and remove all prejudice. God, fill me. Come on, just, just tell him. Say, God, just so fill me with who you are, with your presence, with your love, with your grace, with your goodness, with your mercy, God, that, that every person I come in contact with would be impo- impacted not by who I am, but by who you are in me. And God, I thank you for that. I thank you for what you've done to save me. I thank you for what you do in discipling me and transitioning and transforming my life to be like Jesus. God, have your way in my life.